What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Listening to another episode of the award-winning Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Whatever award it is, uh, I can't tell you. That's currently un- uh, currently under wraps, and I can't tell you any more than that. But enjoy. <laughs> oh my God, this has been an absolutely awful intro. Intro. Ah, oh. Skype's down. Audacity's down. I'm down. Let's start again, eh? Sorry, folks, I'll take over from here. Welcome to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Ricky, and I'm joined, but as ever, by my good friend and co-host, Clive. Good evening. Uh, is it, I don't know if it's a good evening. It is an evening, nonetheless. Uh, it's that Tuesday evening. of our new nights to record. Yep. Uh, we're fresh off a, a Monday Night Raw where Matt Riddle is walking about with a scooter. Can you explain that one to me? Not even in the slightest. All I hope is Seamus kicks a living hell out of him at WrestleMania. I'm disappointed for Seamus. I feel as if that... I think all the hard luck that's went in by him the last few weeks, the few months really, and for him not to get a blow off at WrestleMania is a bit disappointing. I have to say that. I just feel <coughs> that it should have been... I think a triple threat would have been acceptable there. They've obviously got the rise on a triple threat in the SmackDown side of things, but I don't know. If I'd been warring with Drew McIntyre for a few months and then I had to deal with a a man of questionable a questionable private behaviour, I wouldn't be too happy. I hope he's getting a good payday for that. But... That's what I think. I think he will face Riddle at WrestleMania. I actually think he'll win at WrestleMania. I'm hoping he do because he's been intriguing in the last few months. Uh, I think we both have always been um, big fans of Sheamus. So, uh, and not just from his League of Nations days. But, <laughs> uh, I, I think he will go to face Riddle at WrestleMania. Um, should be a good match and but I say that I hope they do give him the title as well because I think he deserves it. Yes, and I don't think just pure bias here and just off of what we hear, I don't think Riddle does deserve it. So if things are looking a bit bleak health wise for Keith Lee as is rumoured, then there's no one else really that I can think of off the top of my head who can slot right in there. Seamus has been sort of top top tier of the mid card for a while now, so I think it. I suppose it does make sense. Yeah, sort of things. and I think a Seamus Keith Lee program would be quite good as well. Oh, actually, that would be going forward. I mean, we've just had what is that three matches now between Seamus and 
Drew in the last sort of six weeks or so. Uh-huh. All been really, really good. Um, really enjoyed the one on Sunday, and I think, yeah, it's been good, but at the same time, like we said a while ago, that the storyline for Drew and Sheamus is right there for WrestleMania. This was right before uh, obviously lost the title. And, and they could have went in that direction if they wanted to, and I think what the last few weeks has shown is that that would have been worthy of being event in WrestleMania, um, or being in a significant slot at WrestleMania anyway. It's, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but don't get me wrong, like, I'm still looking forward to Lashley and Drew. Um, I think that'll be a good match as well, but like I said, uh, there's no line there anyway for Bobby Lashley and Drew. There's no doubt about that, but, you know, the Sheamus and Drew one was really, really intriguing, and I, and I felt like you could have taken that story right up to WrestleMania. Maybe they pulled the trigger on it too early, but... I think they did. If it was our intention to have Bobby Lashley, it'd be all an end all, or the sort of the final picture, then fair enough. And as I've said before, I wanted to see Lashley versus Drew at the big stage, so I can't I can't fault that. It's just... I don't know, Seamus seems to have just been put to the outside. He's the, the third wheel a wee bit here. But what can you do? No, that's true. Um... I mean, I felt Fastlane, um, obviously I thought Daniel Bryan and Roman was really, really good, uh, Drew and Sheamus as well, I enjoyed Nakamura and Seth. Um, yes, that was good. Uh, you know, the less said about the Fiend and Orton stuff, you know, I think better, um, can I say one I'm thing just, on that? Yep. Yeah, like, I get you. Uh, it's... I really couldn't care. And I think, actually, Alexa's provocative pin of Orton took mm-hmm. away the shock value of Bray, Bray Wyatt's new mask. I won't lie to you, as soon as I saw that, I was a bit like, oh, it's an interesting position you've just assumed. <laughs> uh, uh, Mrs. Orton was not too happy at all. Uh, uh, I saw that. Um, but that mask is fucked up. I have it to is, that. but like, uh, yeah, like I, I'm just I'm not high on the female character. Like I said it from the get go that the problem with this character is that it, it's. It's all or nothing. There's no, never really going to be that in between kind of thing. You know, either he kills people or he dies himself kind of thing. Like a classic horror movie character. And I guess obviously that's the direction we're going with it anyway from the get go. But uh-huh. I don't know. Maybe I'm such a, a Bray Wyatt mark that I was never really going to fall in love with this gimmick. But this doesn't do anything for me. Um, but like I said, I thought. Overall, Fastlane was, was a pretty good card. Um, don't get me wrong, I didn't think there was a need for it. Um, I would rather... If I was going to have any pay-per-views between Rumble and Mania, I'd only have one. Uh-huh. Um, and I, 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 it wouldn't bother me if I didn't have a pay-per-view in between it. But I feel like two is excessive. Um, you know, so... A lot of those matches even though they're really, really good, 
you know, you could beef up a lot of these shows in between Mania and Wrestle and Royal Rumble and almost have like many type pay per views and just really beef it up and and make people want to tune in and not kind of as they sometimes do build up to me is like obviously now they won't and say, Oh well subscribe to the network and you get a month free. It's like well you won't need to do that if you just beef up some of these shows and and, and, and just get people's interest um uh-huh. a little higher. So don't get me wrong, like just because we obviously touched on Roman and Daniel Bryan, like, I think us and a lot of people did obviously say it, you know, that, you know, this is going to probably turn into a triple threat and Daniel Bryan's going to hijack it again. Um, um, uh-huh. The fact that Edge is now no longer, hopefully, you know, babyface, um, you know, like, I understand Edge comebacks as a babyface because it's such a big thing, but Edge's best work was always when he was a heel. Okay. A piece of shit heel. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely going to be a triple threat. I think that's it's not confirmed, but it's almost inevitable now. Um, I would... What the warning for WWE, though? Having Daniel Bryan in the world title seen at any time, especially up to WrestleMania, isn't good. You know, it's it was different. Don't have him there. It was different with ha- Cody. Uh, it was different with Kofi. To be fair, yep, that, th- that was, was different, different because oh, definitely. But I just mean in in that chasing uh, capacity because it's now three years, really. Obviously, twenty. What was it? Fourteen, thirteen. The whole yes movement, and then was it twenty fifteen? I think he came back, well, came back and he was in the Royal Rumble at Philadelphia and he got thrown out midway through it but then we want to face Roman later on. Um, and obviously, that's the reason why I say don't do this because <laughs> quite clearly, like, I would assume that, look, let's just assume that this wasn't part of the plan going with yeah. Triple Threat, even though, even though the storyline is playing out perfectly. You've got no intention of having him there, so why would you even put yourself in that position? That's what I mean by nothing good can come of it from a WWE point of view. From other point of view, it's fucking excellent. I'm all for it. Um, one of the absolute greats. Um, so I'm more than intrigued. There's a lot of factors, uh, different things and factors going into it. All three men have got issues with each other. Uh-huh. Um, I mean... It's crazy, like, suddenly Roman and Edge, which was it was built up for a while, these two seem to have the least amount of heat between each other going into it, because now Daniel Bryan's got a legitimate gripe with Edge, and obviously all these issues he's had going on with Roman. So, I'm looking forward to it. I think that's a terrific main event, and I think Daniel Bryan wins. See, that's the thing, they, they do enjoy a triple threat at Mania for the big titles and I'm all for Daniel Bryan being in it I think it, as you say I think the story has been organically told over several several weeks it's not it's not shoehorned in to the extent that Charlotte Flair was yeah, no it's not it doesn't it's not it's a, it feels really organic uh-huh. and it's just I'm so excited about the match and I'm, as you say kind of guessed what there would be some sort of shenanigans involved in a match at Fastlane which, yep. loved, by the way, I thought Daniel Bryan um, just treating Roman Reigns like a fool at the start was fantastic. Just 
that cockiness that he's got, but he can pull it off. It's an arrogance he's allowed to have, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, but I know that I, I, I'm different from you in saying that I know that I'll be disappointed come the end of WrestleMania because I just don't feel that Daniel Bryan's going to win. It just feels like, although it's been told slowly but surely, it'd be quite the swerve from what we had seen as Roman Reigns versus Edge for a couple of months turning into the Daniel Bryan show. I don't I don't see him winning. So I think you're right in saying WWE have shot themselves in the foot, but it's in the fact that they could have yet another backlash with regards to Daniel Bryan's treatment or presentation. See, I think it's playing out the way it did. What was that, WrestleMania 30, wasn't it? Yes. I think it's playing out this kind of same way. Roman's in that Orton role at the moment. I think he's always at a higher level when Orton was there, but I'm just going to comparison. Daniel Bryan's himself and, and Edge and Batista, returning legends, coming in, winning the Rumble, going on to the main event in WrestleMania and ultimately kind of being the third wheel in it, anyway. Um, so I, I think, personally, I think Daniel Bryan wins. I think he either pins or makes Edge tap. And then... You could go one of two ways. You can go, Roman says, before I come back to you, Brian, I've got issues. I need to deal with Edge first because I didn't lose. And you could do maybe go that way. Or you run Roman and Daniel Bryan back again where Roman obviously gets the immediate rematch because you know, he wasn't pinned and you quote, quote, you still protect him kind of thing. Um, so and I always maintain that when Roman loses, his title has to be in front of a crowd because it'll be a big-ass moment and obviously we're going to get a crowd at WrestleMania. I just think it's going to be Edge really? it's a pin. You've got a good point because it's the first Mania back, it's the first show they're going to have fans for in over a year. It's a WrestleMania. What better way to make it a very special moment than having Daniel Bryan leave as a champ again? I just... I just the cynic in me thinks, no, they're just going to play that card again with Daniel Bryan. He's just put in to please the smarks and he'll walk away empty-handed at the end of it. I don't know. It's a tough one. But it's still it's still really compelling. I think it's by far and away the most interesting thing going on in WWE just now, personally. A lot of that is on SmackDown. And, and Sorry, that that's saying something, considering what's going on in SmackDown, because Big E and Apollo they had the kind of match that I'm really into right now, just that ugly, gritty brawl fight. But I don't know, was that ending botched or was it intended? Because they didn't show a replay and I've, I didn't really catch exactly what happened. Not entirely sure, but I don't mind kind of finishes like that where it's kind of like a, a one, two, three pinfall out of nowhere. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm happy. I know a lot of people don't like it. And it was... I still like it. I still like it to throw it in there, throw in a wee curveball now and then. Um, I don't mind finishes like that. Um, I expect them to go again at WrestleMania. That's what um, I'm happy with. If it was a botched ending, even if in, like there's still that program's still ongoing, and I think Apollo's doing fantastic work just now. Biggie as well. His promos are really passionate. Really, like he's, you can see him shaking in his boots as he's saying these promos and talking about the vengeance and he's like, I'm coming for you, that's all that matters to me now. 
Well, the one he caught when he came back to SmackDown was absolutely fantastic. Oh, so powerful. Really, really good. It was. It was excellent. And but cause what I love about it, he comes in, does his usual entrance, and and he's happy, and then just just like that, with a flick of a switch, he's like, you know, the smile's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. Um, I think he's really yeah. on his acting chops here because we just know him as Big E, the big dafty. Um, cutting promos on Goldberg on his podcast and whatnot, and, and he's sitting out with this stuff, and it's just wow. Yep. It's just powerhouse performances for the pair of them. It's fantastic. And also on SmackDown, the Fight Forever duo of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, that looks like it's going to start heading into WrestleMania now for something that's been a sort of a comedy part of SmackDown with Sami Zayn's paranoia and the documentary makers and stuff and then it just that was a fucking hell of a kick that he gave Kevin Owens at the commentary table like instantly Sami Zayn's like rage just made that a heated rivalry straight away so I'm counting off here Kevin Owens Sami Zayn Apollo Crews and Big E triple threat for the Universal title Bobby versus Drew Bianca versus Sasha, Rhea Ripley versus Asuka, which we'll touch on in a minute. Uh, Sheamus versus Matt Riddle. Potentially. Potentially. Not too hot in that one, but if it means Sheamus wins, great. This is turning into a fucking, like, a perfect mania for me. Like, I want to see all of those matches. That's, that's a stellar card so far. I know, it really, really um, is. Uh, and there's obviously you'd assume one or two other matches uh, obviously we've got New Day versus AJ Styles and Omos, and Omos as well um, and like I said I'm not too enamoured with Orton versus Fiend um, but we could get Sigourney Wood versus Street Profits as well um, yes so no, like it's already shaping up to be quite to look quite nice. I don't think they haven't announced the main events of the show, but they've started announcing which matches are going to be on which night. Oh, have they? Yep. So on on um night one, we've got Lashley and Drew, Sasha and Bianca. Bad Bunny and Miz, I think that was confirmed uh, last night. So that's on night one so far, as far as I'm aware. And night two, we'll have Roman and Edge, probably Daniel Bryan in there as well. Um, Asuka and Rhea Ripley, Fiend and Randy Orton. So uh, obviously you'd assume if it's going to be Sheamus and Riddle and E versus Apollo, there'll be one night each for those matches as well, so they'll, they'll you know they won't put that on the one night, um, and then each tag match as well for the titles will feature as well. We've not I've not saw anything about the women's tag title either as yet. I'm sure they might end up throwing something in together. Um, but like I say, is that's already on the first night anyway. That's three really good matches. The second night so far, it's two matches. Arguably, the match at most people are looking forward to, and that's the potential triple threat match. Well, the 
the women's tag titles of both times have been around have been um, fatal four ways or however you want to say it for tag title matches uh, Shane and Naya there's a bit of animosity between the two but that's killed down again after their win so I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening there you've got Natalia and Tamina which finally I think Tamina's in something that suits her you've got Naomi and Lana about um, right, so, so they, c- they could potentially do that um, we'll see um, the other thing that I was going to mention about um, Mania or Mania Week like I think when you look at the entire week it's just ridiculously loaded you, know, you go from the, the go home show of Raw um, followed by the two nights of TakeOver um, yes. with Dynamite taking place as well um, and then on a Friday you've got a Smackdown go home show and then you've got WrestleMania over two weeks I actually think I need to double check this but I'm sure Impact are running a pay-per-view that weekend as well well usually when WrestleMania come to town they've always all the independents have got stuff on anyway so they would in terms of just viewership and wrestling people are pumped for it it'd be a good idea to do it if they are they probably are that entire week's loaded right I wonder I wonder who's going to step up to Pete Dunn I really want that to be a thing I mean well I'm trying to think Daniel Bryan was on the radio show with uh, talk sport guy Alex McCarthy yep He's on just today, I believe, or at some point this week, and he was asked about what Pete Dunne said, and Daniel Bryan said, I'd love to, I'd love to fight Pete Dunne. Obviously, Daniel Bryan's going to be otherwise engaged, so I don't think we'll see it happen. But who else is there that you can think of that Pete Dunne can say that he's a better technical wrestler than? Um, I mean, I'd love to see him and Roddy. Mm-hmm. I technically their rivalry goes way back. Um, I think when you look at, so in, in, I'll touch on the Pete Dunne in a second, but the so they announced also um, the thingy, the NXT uh, main events as well. So night ones, um, Raquel Gonzalez versus. Um, you no, should I? Yes. And then it's going to be Finn Balor and Karrion Cross on the second night. Uh, I actually thought Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole would close one of those shows. Um, not to be. Um, and we've also got um, Jordan Devlin versus Escobar as well. I just don't know which night. I don't know if that's been honest, I can't remember. <laughs> I can see Cole and O'Reilly being one of those unsanct- unsanctioned matches. Possibly, we always have Volta and Champ as well. Oh yes, that was very good to see Volta back. I have to say. Speaking I'm just trying to think who Pete Dunne. The only person um, I can think of would be Timothy Thatcher. 
Well, that's what I was thinking as well. And, and that would be a good match. Probably. Um, yeah, I think Roddy Strong, I'd love to see that. Timothy Thatcher, let's say, is maybe the one. Um, I can't see them bringing anyone else over from NXT UK or, you know, debuting someone up, you know, this close to Mania. Um, maybe we could build it, you know, we're a few weeks away. Um, no, that would be, those would be my picks. I can't, if, if, uh, if Trampa's involved with Volta, I can't really see Thatcher doing anything else unless there's something else going on with Imperium, but I'm sure all will be revealed in due course. Speaking of unsanctioned matches, did you see that Lights Out match last week? The Brett Baker and Thunder Rosa number? Yep. I thoroughly enjoyed it, I have to say. What uh, I, no, um, uh, the image of Brett Baker, uh, you know, um, just covered in blood as an image. Aye, that was that, that, that's, an, that's an image. Um, I actually saw someone, and this isn't to crap on any of them because, like I said, I've never really enjoyed that much. <laughs> um, it's, I saw someone put uh, an image on Twitter. It was half one, the first half of the uh, photo was uh, Britt Baker, and then next to it was a Becky Lynch one. And they were like, oh, same vibes or something. I'm like, Please don't stop. I I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed that match, but no, don't mm-hmm. because the Becky thing was just so organic, and and I don't care what anyone says that that image of the blood added to it, and that wasn't planned. See, I exactly it wasn't planned, and she just took it in her stride. If if Britt Baker wasn't just saying it for the lols, and she was actually looking for. Praise from Meltzer after that match, as was seen in that video after. See, that's kind of shit's pathetic. That's and, sad. and speaking it's of Meltzer, sad. the fact that uh, I love this match at Dynamite, but please don't turn around and tell me that it was better than bloody um, Sasha and Bailey or Asuka and Ember Moon. Like, just no, I'm not having that. Hey, what did they say? Well, they gave that. He gave. It's a, I think it's the second highest rating I saw oh, right, that he's ratings, given. Right, okay. You know, I mean, bearing in mind, I'm almost certain asking, sorry, not asking, Bailey and Sasha and got a four and a half or something from him, and I think this was four and three quarters or whatever, but at the end of the day, that's just one guy's opinion. But the fact that we come out and say stuff like, oh, I really hope Meltzer gives it a good rating, it's like, fucking wisen up. It's just sad, to be honest, man. I just. I, I, we've all got our opinions on Meltzer and as you say it is one man's opinion but that opinion is held as gospel by many and it's just it's used by news reports all over the place it's just it's sad it's sad that's the only way I can describe it and don't get me wrong like I'm not here to bash him or nothing because a lot of the things that he says is, is turned out to be true and stuff and I've always said, that, look, remember he told her it was going to be Roman Brock again a year in advance, and it was true. But there's a lot of stuff he gets wrong as well. He just says stuff, and it's like plans change, or he just says things that you're like, Do you know what? Like you're just saying it for the sake of saying it, and it's like, 
what bothers me, I've always says it, and it's like, you know, if you if bias doesn't come into your thinking, you're just lying. Like, there's nothing wrong with saying I'm sort of biased to this kind of style or this company or whatever because that's what you enjoy. Because you're just a fan at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, well, whatever, man, each to their own. You know, the, the actual match itself, I really enjoyed. And a point I'd said to Miz fan the other day on Twitter, and it was something that I think was a wee bit overlooked because, understandably, there was, I mean, that Death Valley driver onto the ladder looked horrendous. Like, that could have been a broken neck job straight away. But mm-hmm. it wasn't, and it was executed perfectly, even while looking grisly. Uh, the table spots were beautiful. The thumbtacks were fantastic. But it was is her name Rebel, uh, Brit sidekick. Mm-hmm. She's during the downtime when either Thunder's selling or Brit's selling, or there's just a bit of downtime in the match. Brit uh, Rebel kept the pace up by herself setting up the furniture, getting chairs out from underneath the ring, um, clearing furniture or helping, like literally clear blood from Brit's eyes. Rebel helped keep that match going at a really solid pace and it gave it a right frantic feel to the match and I I really appreciated that I thought this is fucking 100 miles an hour stuff really enjoyed that just the small the small minor details that that make you enjoy a match more or dislike Mm -hmm. a match it's just it's small little things it it might seem small in the grand scheme of things but it's what kind of sticks out and you're like you know, you can, or you go, oh, that was actually well done. I mean, it's probably because it wasn't a pay-per-view. If it was, they would have had more time to sort of grind it out a bit. But to help it go at such a pace, it kind of reminded me of the no I don't know if you remember it, but it was a no-DQ match on Raw between Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Uh, it was a night where Dean Ambrose was curb-stomped through some cinder blocks. <laughs> So to, write him, to write him off to go do the movie aye that's right but yep. it was a TV match and it was violent obviously it's no it's PG violent but it was heavy duty and it was fast as hell and it just gave it a, a, such a good energy that you couldn't help but be on the edge of your seat for it mm-hmm. uh, so I, I, you know my feelings towards AEW but I thought that match was probably one of the better ones I've seen from them definitely wouldn't say it was better than the likes of personally the Hell in a Cell matches I've seen for the women in WWE or the War Games matches or some of the title matches in NXT but it's certainly the best AEW women's match I've seen for sure yeah definitely definitely uh, can I tell you a really really fucked up dream I had on Monday night yep Right, you th- you might think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. <laughs> it's wrestling related. That's why I bring it up. Mm-hmm. So I had a dream. I was watching like Raw or SmackDown or whatever it was, and Eddie Guerrero was talking to Chris Benoit. But it was now, it was current times, and it dawned on me that they had. Remember, uh, I'd said to Rance the other night. Remember. They did a hologram of Tupac doing a concert. Say that again? Do you remember a few years ago they had 
whoever was in charge made a hologram of two people uh, yep, doing a performance yep. on stage. Well, WWE had decided to bring back Chris Benoit as a hologram. As like a full-time wrestler. And I was I realised what was going on in the dream and I thought that is the worst thing that WWE have ever done. And then it do, like only when I woke up did I realise, hold on a minute, Eddie Guerrero's dead as well. They've made him a hologram as well. <laughs> it's definitely a, a dream where I woke up and thought, what the fuck was that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> By the way, um, the, uh, just, it's just popped out of my head. The other one that for Pete Dunne could be Kushida. Uh, nah, not for me. Kushida's just not done it for me. The only one possibly would be Gargano, but, you know, I don't see that. Gargano's still the NA champ, yes? Yep. I think Dexter's going to get that. I know, that's what I'm saying, so it would be weird for the champ to come out mm-hmm. and confront him and turn, I know it's happened before and stuff like that, but, yeah. I think we are probably looking at either Thatcher, probably most likely Thatcher. Aye. Well, speaking of NXT, thoughts and prayers with Danny Birch, Danny who has come to light very recently that he's had to undergo surgery for a separated shoulder and Oni Lorcan, God bless his long-fingered soul, eh, they've had to vacate the titles. Yep. That's a shame. It's time to put on the grizzled young vets. <laughs> it fucking is. It is. <laughs> That's all. That's all. Every cloud has a silver lining. I'm sure Danny Birch like, feels that. Yeah, it's alright. We're, we're good with that. We're grizzled young vets, Marks. We are. And James Drake's getting some mic time as well. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I thought it was a meme, just an ongoing rib that you would never, ever get to speak <laughs> never on the mic. <laughs> I wish you kept that going, actually. I know. But any time Grizzled Young Vets are on my screens, I'm a happy chap. A happy chappy. But with regards to Danny Birch, I say this with my tongue-in-cheek a wee bit, but only a wee bit. So, carrying uh, Cross... He himself had a shoulder injury at the start of his career, near the start of his NXT career. He was out for months, similar to Finn Balor's injury. He does a double suplex to Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. Birch landed pretty badly on his shoulder, so that's another shoulder injury. Danny Birch is gubbed thanks to Karrion Cross. Finn Balor was out with her for a long time with a shoulder injury. I would be a wee bit worried going in a match with Karrion Cross if I was Finn Balor to be honest with you no I, I understand but I'm not I'm not enamoured you're not fussed by the match uh, neither am I no I'm just I don't know I'm not, sure, I'm not really sure about Karrion Cross um, i just I don't know who said it. I feel like James Boyd might have said it. That, or it might have been Caleb. I don't know. You're so, you're, you're like a killer. Mm-hmm. But your moveset doesn't really reflect it. I don't think his finisher reflects it. 
I think I don't know. I think just clubs to the head are quite a uh, yeah, finisher to me. They're just so often so plentiful. Even kicks to the head are plentiful as well. And I don't get me wrong. I do enjoy his presence, his entrances, just his overall demeanour. But there's only been one match where I've been properly blown away, and that was the Santos Escobar match. I thought that was a fantastic match. So I'm mm-hmm. holding a bit of hope uh, that he's just better suited to wrestling smaller guys than him. And we do actually end up getting a banger. But otherwise, I don't know. I'm not. It's not a match that I'm overly looking forward to. And I'm never, I'm never big on the main title not closing a show. I've always says that there has to be a special type match that should close a show like Roman versus Taker, rightfully close WrestleMania because we were led to believe it was Taker's last match and. Gargano and Champ have closed um, uh, takeovers as well. You know, so there's been other ones, but I just I don't know, man. I just feel like it's a lackluster end to a potential to a two night takeover. Um, That's a good point. Just, just you know, I felt like O'Reilly and Cole would have been better suited in that spot, especially if they did an unsan- go down the unsanctioned road. I wouldn't say it's a concern, but it's just a bit of a letdown. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, as like I said, I, I'm struggling to get hyped for this match. I'm most hyped for Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez, so I'm, as a, an entitled fan, I am getting what I want. And no, and the fact, I love the fact that that's closing one of the nights uh-huh. as well. Which, so, so, which tells so, me it's a title change as well. Right. I hope um, night one follow suit and has Sasha and Bianca closing. Well, someone I can't remember who, I believe it was actually a fellow Scott on Twitter said how good would it that Drew McIntyre's always said he would love to be the first one to wrestle in front of fans again. So how's this for card layout? You've got Bobby and Drew first on night one mm-hmm. and yep. Bianca and Sasha to end the night. I'll tell you that and I think with Bianca and Sasha, I think after Sunday there, I think it's um, I think they're going to really turn up the heat now and I think they're really going to start to see them bring this home this next few weeks, this feud um, and let's hope that they just showcase, you know great heel Sasha and just how wonderful a talent and unique Bianca is and they just let them go and put on an absolute clinic it will be, it will be. I've always said that Sasha's very damn near the best wrestler in the world when she's confident uh, in herself. And I think she's very confident in herself and she has been for some time now since she came back. So obviously the the groundwork has been laid for quite a, the boss, the heel boss, after that vicious slap that we saw in Fastlane. So it's looking good for Sasha being the heel and Bianca going in as a face. So yep. if that's the case, for headlining one of the nights, again, I feel like a, a championship change is on the cards here. So that kind of brings us nicely to the other main roster women's t- title match. 
In terms of booking and all that stuff, it's a bit bizarre that your main, your flagship show's women's title match is going to an NXT call-up straight away for WrestleMania. Um, That's an interesting take. I know, and many people uh, always feel that WWE is not in the business of making stars anymore when both women's matches could tell you the opposite of that. But it's just it's just waltzed in there and she's getting a title shot. Now, I am looking forward to the match. I don't think I've ever seen them lock up before. So I, w- I, w- I will say this, right? Rhea's three moments, if you want to call it, on the quote-unquote main rosters um, have been... 2020 Royal Rumble, where she looked awesome and was dominant, was a, a real good WrestleMania match with Charlotte. Granted, she lost. And the next one being being one of the final two in this year's Royal Rumble. So, to me, it shouldn't come as a surprise that they're going with this. Okay. It shouldn't come as a, who the hell are you? It's like, well... Just a simple bit of research, and you'll know who the hell she is. Uh-huh. Um, another thing is that uh, I mean they've probably gone with Rhea because of Charlotte having COVID, um, and and with it being about three weeks out, I don't know how long she's had COVID. I don't know if it's in her tweet that she says she's been diagnosed four days ago, or I can't remember what she says. Well. Will she be available for WrestleMania? That's the other thing. Like, she would then, you know, she's got to stay indoors and quarantine for X amount of days for about two weeks. And then it leaves it a week to go with WrestleMania, and you just don't know how she's going to feel physically. Uh, for the sounds of it, the fact that it's been kept a bit under wraps until Charlotte had to squash some rumours, she could be in a bit of bad health. Well, and that's it, and I think by. Putting Rhea, Rhea in here, you're covering yourself going a one on one, and if they really wanted to, you could always shoehorn Charlotte into that if you wanted to make it a triple threat. If she's health wise, is better come WrestleMania time. Uh-huh. But I think Asuka loses that title anyway. Aye, and I think just from a pure match quality standpoint, that's going to be a hard hitting number, and I'm there. It's going to be great. I'm here for it. I always feel. I always feel. Like especially after even the loss to Charlotte in last year's WrestleMania, Rhea turns up for the big matches. Uh, Eosha Rai, it's a it's an often forgotten about title match that Rhea Ripley had on NXT TV, but she had a a grueling affair with Eosha Rai in the autumn season. Mm-hmm. Two hard hitting matches with um, Raquel Gonzalez and the cage match with. Mercedes Martinez, which was fucking brilliant. Rhea's great. Rhea's fantastic. She's taken over the mantle for me for Big Match John uh, and Kenny's best bout machine. She turns up for the big events. That'll be a night two match as well. Mm -hmm. So that'll beef up night two. Significantly. So we've not... Talking about one more thing, NXT wise, unless you were going to say something else. 
On you go. No, no, I'm assuming we're probably going to mention the same thing, but you on you go. Uh, I don't know what you're going to say, because I'm talking about, since we're talking about Charlotte, the elephant in the room. Yep, that's to, what I was going to Right, Andrade, Mr. Yep. Mr. La Sombra. Fair play to him. Fair Absolutely. Him. He's went about it the right way, the way that I favour. Uh, he's not on social media being a dick, openly being a dick, being passive-aggressive. He's just come out and said, listen, I want to leave... I've put in my, I've asked, uh, and then it comes out a few days later that he's left. He said his thank yous to the people that he believes helped him, and the omission of certain others is, speaks volumes for me. But so far, until he goes on Jericho's podcast, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair play to him. He's went about it all the right way, in my opinion, and I've got no ill will against him at all. I think going to AEW would be a major mistake for him. Right. I just don't think he's suited and I don't want to see him there. Suited in the sense that I just feel like he would become just like a lot, a lot of people are there, just a bunch of people doing sports. And I'm like, this guy is legitimately one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I believe at one point, for a significant time, he was the best wrestler was, yeah. under a WWE umbrella. Um Especially during well, goes, Mysterio. He was on fire yep. during that. His entire NXT stuff. Um, whether it goes back to Mexico and a bit of money there, I don't know. Um, I don't see him going to impact. Um, the, the, the other thing would be whether it goes back to New Japan. I think the only reason I would say no is I think you have to factor in his relationship with Charlotte and how much that could suffer from it. He has posted a photo of him wearing the La Sombra gear, uh, CMLL stickers in the background. Mm-hmm. Don't know what that, that. Triple A, um, you know, so we'll wait and see where he ends up. But I will say this, right? A couple of things. How Otis had a more significant moment as a singles wrestler on the main roster than Gary did is beyond me. Right? You have got guys like Otis, no offence to Miz, but I like Miz. I really like Miz, actually. I really like Miz. Um, I'm just trying to think of other possible, like, people who I'm just, like, gobsmacked by how they were being... How, hell, even if you look at someone like Apollo Crews, Apollo Crews is, is starting to be featured a lot more. Um, if you look at... Uh, other singles wrestlers in the last like couple of years. Um, I'm just trying to think. Even if you look at hell, something like Jinder Mahal a few years back as well. When you look at that stuff, um, there's a lot of people out there that seem to got had better treatment as a singles wrestler than Daddy did. And it baffles me. And I know a lot of people are like, well, who are you? Kind of thing. Or what are you? What do you bring? I mean, let's not forget, right, it's a wrestling company. I don't give a shit about sports entertainment and all that. You are a wrestling company first and foremost, right? And I get you want something on top of the wrestling, you know, larger life or, you know, what else do you bring? Because when you think about it, if you get to one of the big three major companies, New Japan, AEW or WWE, 90% of the people there can go, right, to an extent. But you had a perfect mouthpiece in Zelina Vega. 
it just it, Andrade just go out and just put on great matches and let Zona Vega build him up and do all the talking. And it baffles me that they never found a spot for him. Um, another thing I will say. And, yep. And another thing I will say is Andrade versus Gargano was arguably the highest peak for NXT when they were at their highest peak. I think that match mm. is the absolute peak of NXT. And that was during a time where NXT was just producing weekly bangers. And that's, for me, is the greatest NXT match ever. I think that's one of the greatest WWE matches, if not perhaps like one of the top three or five possible case for one of the best, the best WWE match ever. It's certainly one of the best North American matches ever. Like, that match literally was flawless. And, and I think, in my own way that I view matches, and I always say that I look at matches as a, like, it's simplistic. I would go out my way to watch something, or if I stumble across it, or I would never watch it again. You know, another wee category in between. But I also say stuff like, if you go back and watch Bret Hart matches, for instance, it's a lot of these matches stand, and you've heard me say it on the podcast before, it stands a test of time. In 10, 15, 20 years' time, that Gargano Almas match will still stand the test of time, and people still look at it and be like, Yeah, I can see why people were losing their shit over that match. Yep. It's, it's not my personal favourite, but I do still hold it highly. Uh, and it fits in with you believing 2018 was NXT's peak. I, I feel that as well. Um, the Almas, the Gargano match was fantastic. Uh, during a time when I didn't really bother tuning in regularly to the main roster, I made sure that I saw these Mysterio matches, and I don't care how often they fought. I could have watched Andrade destroy Rey Mysterio weekly, like a best of eleven hundred series. It was an absolute joy to watch. And that was the first time I felt like in a long time we saw what was it, the Canadian Destroyer in that match. I can't remember which match it was, but we saw them. We were all like, whoa, uh-huh. they've done that. And all of a sudden, that's just become a Superman uh-huh. kick or working punch. But, you know, when they when they pulled out of the bag, we were all but like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You know, we've not saw that in the WWE ring in a long last time. Their chemistry was just too perfect. That's what I'm saying. It was frightening how good they were together. This is Rey Mysterio, whose whose knees are made of dust as well. My only, the only thing I can think of is the reason why he never got pushed the way we felt he should have, or we thought he was going to, was the language. But let's see, just Selena Vega there, like that's what's baffling. See, I wonder if something else, if there are things we don't know about Selena Vega, because. You have to think as well, there's a language barrier, but then Angel Garza comes in into that weird stable that they had going on with Vega, uh, Garza, Theory, Andrade. Mm-hmm. It's a weird time, it was the start of the COVID uh, empty stage, sound stages, it was just a bit odd. But Garza came in and very charismatic, as we knew from NXT, speaks very good English, so understandably from Vince's perspective he's like oh well I've got the charisma that I'm looking for in a Hispanic star here but 
He was off TV for a bit. Zelina is gone. So Andrade doesn't have his mouthpiece. Zelina is married to Alistair Black, Tommy End. She's not been on TV for a long time. Something, I don't know, I think they may be a bit conspiratorial of me, but it's too much of a coincidence for... But here's the thing, right? When Nakamura and Sami Zayn were together and Sami Zayn was basically a mouthpiece and was, you know, the hype man. Mm-hmm. Really, what, what, what business did they have being together? You know, like, it's not difficult to find someone who could have been that mouthpiece for him. It's not... Like, Heyman, Heyman was sat around for about six months doing nothing before ultimately aligning himself with Roman. Fucking almost doesn't talk at all. It's, it's just... I don't know, man. Like, I, I guess I guess this is where I've always said I'm different because wrestling is all that matters, in my opinion. But I get... Business-wise, that's not what makes sense. No, I, I, I won't sit here and fight anyone over that. Like I say, just from my perspective, and that's just the way I'm looking at it, the guy legitimately is one of the best in the world, and you're trying to tell me you couldn't find a spot for him. Mm-hmm. And I know I see where people will come back and say, well, what was he? Like, you know, and, and from a business point of view, I'm, like, I'm not talking about business. I'm talking about you couldn't find a single spot for him as a single wrestler. You couldn't align him with someone something, anything. So, I said we may never know, but I agree with the fact that he came out and thanked to Heyman, Regal, and Triple H in that tweet. says a lot. So, we'll just wait and see. We'll wait and see. Mm. Um, he, was a, he was a heel wrestler with the Lucha Libre sensibilities, but he also had a snapshot brawling style. And it was a very good combo for a heel and I think it's unfortunate that we don't get to see that more often. You know, things like he's he's running double knees into the turnbuckle or the, the sort of pivoted elbow that he does. Uh, I think it is, despite him being Lucha Libre, it stood out over and above other Lucha Libre because of that intensity that he brings to it. Uh, he's captivating. He had a mouthpiece. You could have found another one, no problem. Uh, they've got lots of high flyers that they could have worked with. I just it's just different. It's a it's a, it's a disappointment. Uh, big time. I really really hope that Charlotte Flair used some clout. I don't. I saw the rumours that she was saying that said uh, if he's if you don't let him go, I'm going. I really can't imagine Charlotte Flair would uh, throw away a WWE career like that, but I really hope she had some clout and said, fucking let him do what he wants. I think she has plenty of clout, and I think if Why? she wanted to, she could have. But that's what I put out the other day, the tweet is like, if she ends up being released or walking away, like I can't wait for everyone who hated her to suddenly stand on her when she ends up in AEW. Um, and, and then... On the flip side, and I wish I tweeted it, but Kayla put it out, and it was like, on the flip side, for everyone who has loved her, suddenly to be like, oh, she was pushed too much, she was this, she was that, and I'm like, well, you know, both sides, you are saying different things before. Tevin, um, see if Charlotte was to go to AEW, she should walk up to the champion right now and say, that oh, is mine, give me it. Oh, 
I say that in the same tweet, you, uh, you're going to say we could potentially get Charlotte versus Shida. Sign me the hell up for that. Look, that's an Sign interesting thing. Sign me up. You don't muck about with Charlotte Flair in the mid-cards. Over no, over. I, would, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do that instantly. I would maybe have like a small interaction, but then I would have Charlotte. Just build her for like, just, just over like a month or two, just building up to a pay-per-view, just so she's going through making her way up there. And then you get to it. I wouldn't want to go straight in. That would be her first match, and she immediately wins the title. I, I, like I'm not. Or worse, you don't have her win the title. Like I said, we've, we've made that mistake several times. But I wouldn't put her in there immediately. I would take give her the way that FTR worked their way up to the title shot. But I would do it in a sh- in a much more short and condensed period. Mm. Just have her move through certain talents, not all of them, not not the main ones maybe um, and then have her have about four or five matches and then just be like yeah I want that I'm coming for that now please I would you know I'd be here all day for that oh no I, th- I just think she's just too big to be mucking about in a mid card over in a mid card that it struggles to get featured she should be up the top saying, fucking look at me, look at what I've done. Yes, I'm part of the WWE machine, but I still worked my arse off to get where I am. Oh, she's great. Uh, right, I think there's, we've covered quite a lot tonight. Quiz? Do you have a quiz ready? I do. All right, Fantastic. What kind of quiz are we looking forward to tonight? A Daniel Bryan one. Did this not happen last week? I don't remember what happened last week. Right, I'm going to bring up my answers. <laughs> oh, you did do a quiz. Damn it. That's That wasn't his catchphrase, that was Farouk. <laughs> go for it. Oh, okay, here we go. Question number one. Oh, it's yes, now two seconds. I'm going to put my notes up. Okay, here we go. Right, question one. Who did Daniel Bryan lose to on the first ever episode of NXT? Oh, it was Chris Jericho. Correct. And a title match, no less. Question number two. When Daniel Bryan was, quote-unquote, fired from WWE for choking Justin Roberts, what did he use to choke him with? Justin Roberts' tie. The ropes. Was it? Nah, it was, it was his tie. Why did you say <laughs> Like, Why? <laughs> That like fault like see if there was a serial killer profiler team on you they would just say you are a habitual liar just because a serial liar yep question number three at which pay per view did Daniel Bryan beat the Miz to win his first championship in WWE and I'll give you multiple choice right we got Money in the Bank SummerSlam Night of Champions Night of Champions correct. At T 
PLC, who did Daniel Bryan win to win the World Heavyweight Championship? Um, I'll give you it. I was going to give you multiple choice. Okay, please do. So, right, Sheamus, Alberto Del Rio, or Big Show? Uh, Big Show. Correct. There's a cash in or something like that. This is question number five. Mm. Right, sorry. Um, at WrestleMania 30 in the main event, mm-hmm. who did Daniel Bryan get to tap out? Dave Bautista. Listen, that is correct. And that is a five out of five so far for you. I, I'm kind of... I'm equally surprised at my own performance, but a bit insulted that you sound surprised. How? <laughs> Here. Here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, just am, okay? Question number six. Who cashed in their money in their bank on Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam? To become a WWE champion. That's an easy one. Brother Keith. Also known as Randall Orton. Also known as Keith Lee. (laughs) 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 True or false? Daniel Bryan has held the money in the bank briefcase contract. You sound very um, unsure. No, I'm 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 unsure because you kind of you've asked a question kind of about it earlier when he cashed in on Big Show. I know I was hoping you never say that. Now I realise you did, so I kind of had enough time to change my question. That's all right. So uh, question seven. I'll muck up, don't worry. You've heard me at the end of performances I'm a shambles. That sounds dodgy, actually. (laughs) 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 It's it's even dodgier that you've only heard it as well. No, that's true. Right. Daniel Bryan's first title win in WWE was what? What was the title? Yep. Uh, the most attractive card that is now no longer with us, the United States Championship that is correct and defended at next pay-per-view Hell in a Cell with a wonderful triple threat submission match with John Morrison and Mike Mizanin is that your next question? Uh, no Just so good. And how many? Sorry, Ingo. Daniel Bryan. Yes, I know, isn't he? <laughs> He's just phenomenal. Um, and how many seconds did Daniel Bryan lose his title to against Sheamus? Mm. 
I'll say 18. 12. Oh, goodness. There goes the the perfect record. Are you lying to me right now? No. You've lied to me in the last five minutes. I know not this time. That was incorrect. Right, I'll be surprised if you get this. Daniel Bryan once won the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles with... Um, fuck it, Nigel. Nigel McGuinness? Uh-huh. Sound correct. Do you want another guess? Uh, Ex-Impact, current AEW wrestler. Bold. Christopher Daniels. Correct. This is the, the last um, question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You went for a perfect 10 out of 10. That's a gutter, it really is. Right. Daniel Bryan teamed up with which legendary tag team to take on the shield? The Brothers of Destruction. 9 out of 10. Give yourself a pat in the back. Oh well. Even, even you could figure out you got 90%. <laughs> you cheeky bugger. <laughs> you cheeky bugger. But yes. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some fact checking right now. Alright. WrestleMania 27 I call one of your questions into dispute oh the the, what did you say 12 oh no it should be 28 29 sorry Uh, no, I said 18. Oh, well, you got it right then. Ah, sorry, I thought you said 12. No. Oh, sorry. You no, was, 18. You said 12. Oh, sorry, did I? Sorry, I just clearly got confused. No, it was 18. It was 18. You got a 10 out of 10. So, to, to get, um, to get, really get the plaudits this week, what was, how much did you score percentage-wise then? <laughs> A hundred, a cn percento. Well How did you manage to figure that out? Because I've got a, a found a, found a general standard grade in maths. All right. So you didn't do, um, ten divided by ten multiplied by a hundred. No. No. Okay. Uh, I it also took me until six years, so that includes intermediate two. <laughs> in fifth year so standard grade, credit standard grade maths this uh, hierarchy of qualifications is out of date now but credit in standard grade intermediate 2 in fifth year which is basically a condensed credit standard grade because I was shy at it and then in sixth year I finally got my higher in maths but it was still a C <laughs> 
I never even got higher than Murphs. I chucked it. Aye, because it was beneath you. No, so what I'd done, right, and um, in fifth year, <laughs> I don't know if I ever says this to you, it shouldn't come as a surprise to you, right? In fifth year, um, I, you know how you would do your prelims in like December and then your final exams like in May or whatever it was? Uh-huh. And then if you basically got like an A in your prelims and you got like a C in your final one, you could appeal it and you'd probably get like a B. I, um, I think so. So that was no, I don't know if that's still normal practice, but it is now. So obviously if you get better in the prelims, you can always appeal it to see if it would bump it up. Um, I spent a lot of uh, fifth year um, <coughs> uh, blazed. <laughs> Are you full of results? <laughs> yes. So I would say the latter part. So like I messed up on several exams in fifth year. Um, but I thought I would get like an appeal on a number of my ones that I basically messed up on, and I did. <sighs> Maths was one of them. And then I went into sixth year. But because you don't know about your appeal, you still have to pick your subjects for the next year. Uh-huh. So I basically then, uh, I went in to do higher maths again. I also went in to do higher business, higher um, IT accounts it was, as well as, um, I think it was like higher English because I'd only got like a C or something. I wanted something better. So basically, I was aiming to walk away with at least like six hires to go straight into uni. And I knew one was already in the bag, or two technical were in the bag, and I was waiting on appeals to the other ones. I then, um, I got an appeal for a couple of them. But anyway, long story short, I walked into six year having to do five or six subjects, whatever it is you would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the first month, because I got, some of the results I needed in, in appeals and stuff and I never went to uni I went to I, I missed a year and went to college so I couldn't ask for uni um, I I ended up after a month starting at six subjects whittled down to just I think you know this where I just done one subject and it was English oh my and god I, <laughs> my Fridays consisted of four three periods the first four periods where I sat about in the canteen and stuff doing nothing but playing cards I would go in for fifth period because it was straight after lunch and I was English and then I was free for sixth period. So for from September all the way through to February, that's what my Fridays and my weeks consisted of. Basically doing one subject. And it was only by chance because I was with uh, my girlfriend at the time and the head of the year happened to walk past in the morning and saw us two sitting together. And then she walked past again later on that day and saw me again. And she was like, why are you out of class again? <laughs> and I was like, I've got a free period. And basically she was like, no, you don't. So she then had to go to her office. She told up, you should be doing this, this and that. And I was like, yeah, I, 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 like, I decided not to do those classes because I got the appeal and I just didn't say it. <laughs> oh, my God. So for like six months of the year, I sat about doing absolutely nothing in six years. Fucking hell. Fun times. And I was, struggling, I was struggling through maths and you're just sitting there getting zits on the go. <laughs> See, well, <laughs> when we were on the subject of exams, it was standard grade fourth year, French. Uh, 
and we had the exam so it's all those individual tables and I was at the very back of the room and remember the adjudicators you got that came round mm-hmm. to make sure you weren't cheating and stuff yep so I'd, I, I was good at French I'm, I click A's and ones and all that so I was no problem with French so I'd finished the exam a wee bit early and the adjudicator came round at the end and started collecting people's papers and I was facing the back I was already at the back of the room so I was just having a good old stretch and a yawn and was facing the back wall and I turned round no clue why to this day why I did it but I was I just went full Steve Austin mode and turned round and did the double bird two middle fingers and the adjudicator was right in front of me <laughs> oh. and he never even said anything <laughs> I, c- I could have got sacked for fridge for giving oh. this guy the middle fingers and he just looked at me and went right cheers you should have just been like I'm sure you understand I'm sure the French understand that as well aye uh, <laughs> toi, so, toi soissant says I just kicked your ass, your derriere <laughs> oh fantastic I think I actually done alright in French but I never took it as a higher or anything oh that was my oh. that's a, a passion actually I thoroughly enjoyed French Rene Dupree Fun times School days Fun but some of it was fucking shite as well Oh horrendous It's like when I, like I, says, when I get busted I have to go back to all those classes And sit in the back of the class and study oh I'm like God. what am I studying for And I'm like I'm only doing one subject You have a dunce's cap on <laughs> I remember the first day I walked the back in And I kind of looked at him and was like Why are you here? You've not been here in months, and I was like, I know, I'll get told him to come back and study for my other classes, because I'm sitting about doing absolute hee-haw, other than playing fucking uh, Switch. What a ready. I know, tell me about it. Ah, uh, we've all done... Fifth and six years, fifth and six years. Aye, it, it was a disaster, wasn't it? It really was. I don't remember much from like, the last, from like, February onwards in, in fifth year. Well... Like yourself, it was a uh, Zoot City for myself as well. So, but it was one. It was one. You know how you used to get? Is it? What, what did they call you? They used to call them. Was it nabs or tap? Was it nabs? Remember, we used to get them like once a month or once every couple of months, and it sort of contributed to a, a test, basically. Uh, we didn't get contrib- them, but I'm aware of them. The nabs, yeah. So you would get, and I remember obviously with some of them you'd go in, like whether it be maths or business or whatever it might be and you're absolutely blazed when you're doing it and you go back <laughs> in the next day and it could be like your first period so you've not had a chance to because I'd only ever do it um, at break time and lunch time and you'd sit and you'd look at your answers and be like what the fuck was I thinking <laughs> <laughs> oh excellent almost pissed my entire life down for some weed a good choice it's terrible when you think about it, the stupid things you do just to get a blast. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh. Right, tell us your embarrassing school stories at uh, Ricky and Clive on Twitter. This, as you know now, has been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find other shows such as 
Grown Men Watch This Shit, One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, Great Match Generator, 8-Bit Suplex, Grave Consequences and All Things Elite. Give us a review, 5 stars if you can, Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. You can head over to socialsuplex.com to get the podcast's website style, the columns website style and if you want them sent directly to your email inbox you can press the subscribe button. Go over to the show notes and you will find links to our Pro Wrestling Tees t-shirt site, links to our donation site for both us as a podcast and us as a network. And also, we are at the Squared Circle and Wrestling, the Wrestling Squared Circle on Facebook and we're at Ricky and Clive. And I think that's us for this week. Ricky? Yep. Uh, I think that is us. One Nation Radio are taking a, a hiatus at the moment. Right. Unsure for how long, but taking a small a small hiatus. Shout out to One Nation Radio. Very much so. Shout out to Sir Sam, who's publicised today that he's, chuck, he's chucking the column writing on wrestling headlines. Slash campaign for a while. Uh, and as it, this will be coming out tomorrow. I've actually made the decision myself as well. I'm just copying Sir Sam because I think he's pure cool. Uh, I'll be stopping... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be stopping the, the brand extension columns on wrestling headlines will be in hiatus for a, a, a spell also. Just busy shit. Even, even only with a fortnightly schedule, it's just becoming a bit of a drain on my mind and just time and stuff. So I'm calling it quits just now, focusing on... The spoken format, which I prefer anyway, so please don't expect the podcasts to improve in quality anytime soon, though. Just letting you know. Now, one day I might end up turning up, I might turn up here high as a kite and just start talking. I would love that so much. Imagine if the content was actually better. (laughs) Aye, like you you went in the zone and had some really deep analytical takes. Yes. Like philosophical <laughs> wrestling chat and stuff. That's it. Right. Well, thanks for listening to us this week, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll speak to you next week. Yep. Take care, folks. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time.